So uh, are we ro- are we rolling? We're rolling. Okay. Well, we don't have tape. Is it rolling still? I mean, recording. Have recording. To say, just say are we recording? We're, we're live. We're, we're doing live. something. No, we're not live. Technically. What is that? Who's that? You hear a voice? Yeah, me either. Anyway, <laughs> I really was listening hard. Yeah. So, like, wait, uh, what are we listening for? We have a new host. Yes. Joining us uh, for his inaugural. For you know what? For the first inaugural inaugural. It's not inaugural. No. Because it's no. So I'm going to take it from post, here. Yeah. Anyone that has written us on Facebook has probably got a reply from Ethan. Who? Ethan. Oh, right? Is that yeah. His name? No, yeah. No, no, no. You got it. Yeah, Ethan. Okay. So why don't you introduce yourself, Ethan? Okay. Um, I come from a military background. Uh, I did a few years on active duty with the Army and uh, switched over to the Air Force. The lifestyle is much nicer there. Uh, no one yells, which is nice. <laughs> And, uh, well, they do, but they yell about their email being not working. Yes, they yell about yeah. normal human things, uh, <laughs> not caveman things. And uh, so, yeah, I do that now uh, part-time, part-time freedom defending, and full-time guns. So, Yeah, so you work in the industry. I do. Uh, okay, cool. And you uh, have a bit of expertise outside of uh, – well, you're a gun nut, right, like the rest of us? Pretty much, yeah. I guess that's what okay. got us all here. Yeah, I mean uh, – you know, Kind of brought that us That my car – I drove my car here. But it didn't get all of us here. No, 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 no. I, well, that would take a long time because I'd have to make three trips. You wouldn't have to pick me up. Because it's I would just already a single-seater. So, uh, so welcome, Ethan, Thanks. to Thanks the uh, to the Good Show podcast. Uh, and it is our first podcast of 2014. Yes, it is. Happy New is, Year. Which is exciting. Yes, Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. And... Uh, there's some exciting things going on in the firearms world. Yes, the there is. There's uh, there's lots going on and lots more coming on. I think we're seeing a uh, a buildup for SHOT Show, which is in about uh, 10 days. Yes, it's 10 or 11 days. But we're wow. seeing a buildup of information. Right. A lot exactly. of times they kind of tease us. They're just they're blowing it out. They're letting yeah. everybody know what's going on. I was going to mention that. It seems like every other year it's hush-hush, and there's the little macro shots and the teasers and this and that. And they're just uh, – they seem to be really laying it out on the – Lay yeah. that on the table this year. Letting everybody know what's actually going to be mm-hmm. at shot so you can touch it, take pictures of it, and put it on your blog, which we will be doing. Uh, so keep an eye on our Facebook page, uh, our blog, and uh, our Twitter. I think we have an Instagram. We have all of the above. And that other one. And Scott just started a Pinterest board for us, right? No, that Are did you not sure? happen. I think for recipes. Yeah. <laughs> That did not happen. Reloading recipes, though, no, right? No? No, no, I meant, no. I meant slow cooker recipes. There you go. <laughs> no, no, no Pinterest. There's no... No. So, uh, facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast. Uh, you can find us at thegunshowpodcast.com. That's right. And uh, as always, you can email us at gunshowpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be getting some other email addresses. But the important thing to remember is our Facebook page. You can get everywhere from there. Yep, Facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast. Yep. You can Google gunshowpodcast. Yeah. We'll be on there somewhere. First page, second hit, something like that. That's right. So um, we got a lot going on in the gun industry, like we've already said. Let's talk about the Magpul moving to Wyoming and slash Texas. Yes. Joining uh, ARFCOM, AR15.com, uh, who moved to Dallas fairly recently, um, and uh, Glenn Beck, yes. who moved to Dallas a few years ago, <laughs> That's true. a couple of years ago, uh, Magpul is finally said where they are moving to. They said uh, 
quite a while back. They were leaving the state uh, if Colorado passed the magazine capacity laws. And uh, Colorado went ahead and did that, and Magpul moved anyway. And they kind of reneged on some of that, didn't they? Well, Colorado kind of came well, there back. There was a recall. And they were, they what? They had two. No. Well, what happened initially was uh, Magpul went to the hearings they had over these new magazine capacity laws and said, right. "You said in this law that uh, it's be illegal to own, uh, sell, buy, or manufacture." a high-capacity magazine, you know, quote-unquote over high-capacity, a standard capacity for us in the business. Um, And Magpul says, well, we can't stay here if you do that. And the lawmakers immediately went, well, you're our corporate buddy, so we will exempt you. Manufacturing is okay. You can't buy it. You can't sell it. You can't own it. But you can manufacture it. (laughs) And Magpul says, we're leaving anyways, which was a uh, a big plus for them in the uh, corporate – public relations field they almost got in trouble everyone asking if they were going to actually leave yeah they uh that was it uh, was the it, it was, was the, the taking too long well they yeah question. they came out really strong and then backed off and you know i think people just kind of were like well they're still there there was a couple articles published like why is magpul still in colorado and you know it's not like you can move something like that overnight you know so i think after the madness of sandy hook uh they were having enough trouble just you know coping with a massive demand for their product. Oh yeah, that's you know in line with what they were already yes. doing. They were already overwhelmed. Exactly. Not to mention redirecting an entirely different direction. Yeah. So, so they moved, uh, like they've said, they moved a lot of their manufacturing out of Colorado. They've moved uh, a good portion of it to Wyoming and other states. Uh, I think Tennessee. I heard New Mexico. I want to uh, say that sounds about right. I thought everything was moving to either Wyoming. No, not everything. They well, had the actual manufacturing is process. moving to Wyoming, and then corporate offices are going to. Well, the actual manufacturing, from what I understand, I could be wrong. Uh, and if I'm wrong, please uh, get on our Facebook. Let me know that uh, that their subcontractors who actually build the stuff. You know, injection mold, the actual stuff. Um, the, the subcontractor actually uh, already are diversified outside of Colorado. So they've pushed it to different states, including uh, Wyoming, like we said. I want to say New Mexico and Tennessee. Okay. Okay, so we got uh, Magpul moving to Texas and Wyoming. Uh, another big thing coming out, um, I guess, uh, products. Um, we do want to talk out. about the Remington. New yeah, Pistol. Remington. Uh, well, let's before we segue into that, let's segue into uh, the Glock. Uh, we posted our Facebook page uh, for those of you who saw it. The, the Glock 42 has been verified. It's going to be a single stack 380, uh, like some of us predicted. Yeah, you said here it here first. I think two shows ago was it? Yeah. It was Somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it turns out uh, somebody, you know, took a picture and put on a uh, a web a gun uh, forum somewhere uh, that the Glock is going to be a 380 single stack, uh, which makes absolutely no sense given the demand. Am I right? I mean, four years ago, a Glock single stack 380 would have been one of the greatest things to come out of Smyrna, right? But now that we've advanced four years. You know, uh, I don't know. Well, see, I think, and there's there's an odd there's an odd angle. I think we're not necessarily looking at is uh, specifically women shooters. Um, I know from sitting back on the phones, to be quite honest, there has been a massive upswing of women 
just completely uninitiated shooters, people that are getting into this thing for the first time, and whether or not we as seasoned shooters think it's right or correct, sure. like give them, you know, we're always like, don't give them a 380, don't, you know, just give them a nine millimeter. The Glock understands that corporate demand, you know, that just the the sheer numbers of it, not as opposed to ballistically. An, I no, guess, I got gotcha. you. That's an interesting angle, and I never thought of that. That's good. Um, <sighs> But what we've but, been calling for a single stack nine millimeter for the past four years, right? Well, on top of everything else, now, is there one right behind it? The Glock forty four is going to be a single stack nine. It mil? wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me either. But you know, you'd come out with that one first, wouldn't you? As as if you were the Glock PR guy, would you push to have the nine millimeter drop first or the three eighty? See, know. I don't. I guess the way I look at it, almost is you'd inside shooters you'd have to you'd want to push the 380 you want to you want to come out hard because guys that are already initiated to things like nine millimeters you don't really need to laud it because it's already it's already sure. a known platform okay. it's already a known thing 380 might need a little extra nudge oh, to get it onto the I scene see. put it out there first that's a, that's a good idea okay that's well, the way i would kind of let the hype build around that yeah now, how does then how does the next glock fit in the next glock is going to be the 41 and uh, as I predicted, it's going to be. We haven't proven this yet, but I'm still predicting it's going to be a five-inch, uh, you know, double stack 45. So it's going to be the Glock 21 um, with a five-inch barrel. So it's a tactical, practical model of the 45. How does that fit in? Is there has there been a call for that? Because I haven't seen it. I don't think so. I mean, you got to understand the lineage. I mean, you already do the, the lineage of the 17Ls, the 24s, the 35s, and the 34s comes from almost a reverse engineering process of sure went long then i guess it was i want to say ipsic rules uh when the box started yeah yeah they and had, they had shortness to shortness of 34s right. and 35s so people could shoot ipsic with the glocks and there's not i just don't think there's a call to shoot majors i guess i don't know i don't see a lot when of, you've got 40 yeah. 357 sig the stuff like that that's making the numbers in a lower you know a lower recoil Caliber, then maybe this is uh maybe they're pushing more towards a tactical genre that's ruled right now uh, by the by the course of 1911. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're getting ready for a military contract. Yeah. They're wanting to go back to 45s. Well, well, I'll tell you right now, and they could buy um, for that contract. You would have seen that about three years ago with the uh, the joint service pistol. Well, right? SOCOM is using Glocks now. I mean, that's a confirmed. Well, sure, thing. they've it's, always, but it's nine millimeter. Maybe they've been it's asking. Nineteen. Maybe I think they, it's actually nineteen. Yeah, Glock to be, to be Maybe they've been asking for 45. Um, like a, a different that variant. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, Glock cuts into the HK's little little bailiwick of the of the you know polymer frame forty five, which that, is the and famous the Colt, in the tactical and, and the, the Colt, Colt railgun. Sure, you know which which they came out were like, well, the Marine Corps is going back to this, and you know there's people that are about it, and there's the other half that's like that's a terrible idea. So sure, well, yeah, I mean the design is a little dated, <laughs> but it, oh, you still. can make a nineteen eleven run. Um, it takes three thousand dollars to do that, though. <laughs> we, we've talked about this on this show. We we like nineteen elevens, um, but unfortunately, to get one to run like a Glock or an HK, you have to spend what a Glock and an HK, HK cost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we've talked about that. Now, uh, now personally, and we've talked about uh, the Smith and Wesson E series in the past. It's an older design. It's mm-hmm. been out for a little while, but I'm finally starting it to see come to market where you can actually walk into a gun store and see one yes. on the shelf, and. Uh, I didn't realize that the Smith and Wesson 1911 E series uh, is one ridiculously expensive. I mean, they start at you know twelve hundred dollars for the, um, the 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 melanited railgun model, but the the plain stainless non-rail model comes in about eight hundred bucks. 
which is amazing to me. That sounds like the best value in 1911s today. And which one is this again? This is the Smith & Wesson 1911 E-Series, which is their enhanced, you know, uh, fancy production model, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a custom production model along the lines of a Springfield TRP or a, uh, oh, you know, Les Bears low-end pistols. Well, stuff I've, like that. I've heard if you want to get into a kind of a fully loaded pistol, they're hit or miss, but the Taurus 1911s, I mean, it's not something I would I would be taking with me. There are some excellent values right now. You mentioned the Taurus, which is which has been an amazing value for years now. I'm also starting to see some of the Rock Islands, right. some of the higher end tactical ones. Yeah, Rock Island seems to be really coming in hard. The and I think Remington, this year, the R1, the R1 yeah. series seems to be really, really well placed. So I think the market is full of. You know, I'd call it almost, I don't want to say hobby gun in, in a in a negative term, but, you know, maybe not a duty gun, but, you know, perfectly fine for the range or for, you know, somebody, common who, man's sh- 1911 yeah, somebody who shoots about. two mags through a gun and puts it in their sock drawer for the rest of their life. Well, I just got this. I just saw this come through. Have sure. you guys heard of the six-hour P290RS? No. no. It's a 380 single stack. Oh, so they got the 290 in 380. So maybe the next the evolution of the maybe the got a little bit of word about that. Hot thing. Who knows? And every, well, that's what is it the current the 9 the 9 Yeah, it's currently currently the 290 is a 9 mm, right? Well, the RS yeah, this is so the this RS makes it a 380 ACP, which is a 380. Okay. The MSRP on that suggested to be around 570. Now I also saw rumors of a car CW 380. Yeah, right? I think I heard yeah. a, a blurb yeah. about that. Which somewhere. is going to be uh, the 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 car 380 is already fairly inexpensive, so this should come in well under the Glock's price point, which we didn't mention. Uh, it's supposed to be sub $400. Right. It's supposed to be high 300 So you got SIG at 570 you got Glock at high, um, high about threes, threes. Yeah. and then you've got the car coming in, what? Four, let's say four something. Yeah, I'd to say be fair. 400 So the Glock's going to be the lowest on yeah, the price point. I think you, you're going to see the car, though, because Glock's real aggressive about uh, map pricing. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see the car come in cheapest on the street. Uh, and in two years, they'll be giving the SIGs away, <laughs> which is par for the course. Speaking of SIGs and speaking of rumors, like we've been speaking of, the um, the new SIG polymer frame modular striker-fired pistol is rumored to be coming at shot. And this is going to be like the P320, something like that. But it's basically, you, you imagine the SIG... P250, and uh, if you're not uh, aware of that, it is a uh, what Sig did was took a frame and called that the firearm, and then you had polymer grip shells. Oh, that's right. Right? Yeah, it's a modular pistol. Yeah, yeah. it's a modular caliber. So pistol, you could basically. have one quote-unquote frame that had subcompact, compact, and full size in 940, 357, and 45. Right. With it all different really grip shells. Off, it, w- it was supposed to be when they introduced it. I want to say seven-ish years ago. It was their flagship pistol. It was expensive. It was just as expensive. It was more expensive, I want to say, than a 226 or, or the comparable 220. And that was the funny part. I think it was actually lauded. It was supposed yes, to be their flagship not gun. Pist- you know, not an expensive, unreachable pistol. Yeah, and then which is what it ended up being. Yeah, yeah, it ended up being a very inexpensive SIG and the cheapest way I've seen to get into a SIG. I've seen these things sell to less than $400 brand new. So uh, the 250, which kind of destroys the whole point of its modularity if you can buy a whole pistol for you know, 350 bucks. But anywho, uh, the 250 wasn't popular. It wasn't adopted anywhere, but I want to say Hong Kong, something like that. Uh, 
There was some federal law enforcement agency. Where it's that already cheap it. to get surgeries done anyway. <laughs> it, it really you just changed the caliber Tell from whatever it. it is. Oh, I get it. Okay. Wow. Uh, it's so. in China, not Thailand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so both have good food. <laughs> so this is going to be the striker fired version. Which, if you've ever shot a uh, P250. You'll be begging for a striker-fired version. The P250 was a double-action-only hammer-fired pistol, which was not a not a good design, not a good trigger. Um, I don't think it was it was ready for prime time, and I think we've seen that you know with the lack of uh, popularity of the product. So then let's talk. Let's ask about what what do you prefer: single action, double action, double action, single action? Um, Scott, I always prefer a a consistent trigger pull. Uh, it really doesn't matter if it's double action only, as long as it's done well. Uh, of course, single action is much easier. It's something like a Glock striker fired is usually very easy to use. Uh, of course, we talk about the 1911. A 1911 is very easy to use as far as a, a single action trigger system. Um, I've even shot some double action only triggers that were you know perfectly usable. Um, you know, not preferred. I wouldn't use it for a, I don't know, a, a competition gun. You know, I wouldn't shoot. The, yeah, there, that's a, again. Yeah. This is another one of those subjective subjects where there's not a complete right answer here because what's you know what's what you would say you would carry for duty is sure. something entirely different than what you're going to. What would you prefer though? Um, from a carry perspective, I think the striker fire, not based on the trigger itself, but all the other. Added benefits of a you know the reliability of a striker fired system. I can see that for yeah. carry. Uh, well, I think that I think you can definitely definitively say though that the traditional double action single action trigger is not good. You know what I mean? It's it's not. It's that not it's, that it's bad. It's, it's just that, it's that technology There's, caught up. Right. Exactly. And other things happened. It's it's even, it's still very valid. Even the companies that sell a double action single action traditional system will offer that gun. In some sort of double action only, you know, Glock like setup. Mm-hmm. The SIG has the DAC, the DAK, and the uh, the HK has the LEM system. Uh, not uh, honorable mention there, and I, I got to fiddle with one a few weeks ago, not shot, uh, but the uh, Lionheart Industries LH9s, if you're familiar with those. Yes, yes. That is the. Uh, that's Very the old interesting. Daewoo? It's, yeah, it's yeah. a Daewoo. It actually takes Daewoo mags. They're made in Korea, they're Korean made pistols, they're rebranded. Right. Um, uh, way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Uh, now that's an interesting. That has that weird trip Neither wanna... fish nor fowl trigger. Right because here it it's is. Cut that weird. You can push the you, hammer yeah, forward. You, triple you cock action. It, yeah. And then you push the hammer forward, and the trigger stays stays set. Now we saw that that be, that was a fad for a little while. I want to say in the early 2000s, there was aftermarket companies that came out with triggers for the Browning High Power and the 1911. And, uh, no, I think that's it, where you had that, um, I want to say cylinder and slide had it, but it was that it looked like it wasn't cocked, cocked mm-hmm. single-action gun. I guess Which are like the BDA, who, the BDA 9s and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. It's just like the, the, I think Browning had the BDA version. Yeah, it's a, a double-action high power for, and, uh, for all intent and purpose. That's how Paris started, kind of got big. As, right. As they came out with the, it's not a single-action 1911 is so it doesn't scare people with the cocked and lockedness, I guess you want to say. Um, well, we've seen the progression go from a uh, single action to a double action, single sure. action, and now we're starting to see the striker fire. Well, I want to say what became really popular in law enforcement, just like you said, was you either had a revolver or a 
or a, uh, um, a 1911, right? right, back in the day. And then you saw a lot of people uh, you know, stick with the revolver while we went through the DASA guns, the, the Berettas, Smith the SIGs, the Smith & Wesson third gens were huge with the, the law enforcement community. 59, 59 and then that all went away. 40, with 40, 59. Yes, yeah, all those. Uh, and that all kind of disappeared with Glock. And once Glock came on market, everybody kind of played catch-up with DAO systems, double action only, mm-hmm. that didn't quite work as well as you wanted them to. And there was a lot of that going on, heavy heavy revolver-like trigger pulls for yep. semi-automatics, which is just silly uh, in my mind. But um, the, At least with the double action on the revolvers, a lot of times it's refined. It might be heavy, but it's always smooth. That's yeah. one thing, you you know, a, a good – That's and I think me personally, that's what makes or breaks. Like when you pay for something like a Smith & Wesson or something sure. like that, those triggers – are light years ahead of you know a, a tuned double action. Oh, you're talking like a, an MMP. Yeah, oh no, you're like talking a, on a revolver. Yeah, a I'm sorry, revolver double action. Yeah. Okay, no, I got you. I'm following you now. Okay, so and what we saw, of course, was the proliferation of everybody else coming out with the striker fire, the XDs, the Smith Wesson MMPs, and the Glocks, of course, of the or the head and shoulders above the rest. Um, as far as uh, law enforcement agencies mm-hmm. adopting them, and I think and I think that's what we've uh, we've ended up with as far as uh, I think we derailed the conversation a little bit. Yeah, we, we definitely digressed on a uh, bit. on exactly what uh, type of system we prefer. What what about you, Martin? Uh, striker fire at you, this point. Big big fan of striker uh, fire. I've, I know I've become that's I, your choice for daily carry. Yes, uh, I used to I used to prefer the double action before I, uh, with the with the Berettas and whatever because I felt more comfortable. I didn't like sure, carrying yeah. something mm-hmm. oh, cocked yeah. and locked with oh, one yeah. in the, in the chamber. Sure. So uh, I'm striker fire with the Glock these days. What, once you, I think once you figured out the the inherent safety. That's inside the systems of these guns, even the striker fire guns with no external quote unquote safeties. I think you realize that there's no chance of this thing going off unless you pull the trigger. Go look at the internals of a Glock. (laughs) Yeah. You can see the videos. No chance of that thing going bang unless you pull the trigger. Exactly. I mean, unless something breaks, which anything can break. Anything man made. But a lot of times it's not stuff that would actually break. It's actually there's grooves cut out. So things won't go unless that groove is completely worn out. And I think we see that in all modern firearms. It's not, it's, it's inevitable. But you have to, you know, the thing at a certain point, this is when you start talking about why you pay for a name and why you pay for a certain brand is because you have a handgun that has 25 years if not more of evolution and refinement sitting behind it sure brand. yeah you should be able to trust it you should point. yeah you you should i would hope have at least some sort of <laughs> it didn't just pass the yeah. job tests now speaking of uh speaking of branding and older brands and newer stuff um remington has talked about uh, a new pistol based on an old design 100 plus year old design right so Remington unveiled a uh, pre-shot show again, uh, like we mentioned earlier, the R51. Mm-hmm. And the R51 is basically, I don't know if anybody out there is an old gun nut, knows about old guns. There was a Remington Model 51 back in the day. So there's a Remington R51, Model 51 back in the day. I want to say it was made until the 30s. Um, it was available in 32 and 380 ACP, which we considered, you know, duty rounds for those days um and it was a fixed barrel uh single action had a grip safety a good looking little pistol too i don't know if you've seen them so it was like the 1950s futurist it yeah. reminds me a lot of the like the colt vest pocket 380 mm-hmm. yep. if you've uh-huh. ever seen one of those reminds me a lot of that but just a little more stylish and uh so remington's basically brought it back with modern styling and modern um 
um, um, engineering, and uh, and they've brought it back in nine millimeter. So what they've done is they've they've brought us a fixed barrel, single stack nine millimeter with a single action trigger. Um, from, internal hammer from Remington. Yeah, it's got an internal hammer. It's based on uh, is it the Penderson device or Peter, Peterson? Pe- Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, Peterson. Peterson. Something it's like Peterson. That. Peterson. Um, I know how to spell it. Don't know how to say it. So uh, it's it's still a locked breech gun. It's not like it's a blowback like a high point or anything weird like that. Uh, but it's uh, I tell you what, it's it's not new. It's not you know revolutionary, but it's different. And I think different is good in our saturated market. Uh, with like we were talking about with the striker fired pistols and uh, everybody's kind of going to the same polymer frame striker fired double stack you know fill in the blank and uh i think this will be a hit for remington if the price point is there i think Ooh, it'll be a hit. That, that's that's, that's going to be the crux but they're is. building the 1911 at a very uh competitive price yeah i mean point. i'm not it is remington it's yeah. not you know yeah they're not branding it uh, one of their upmarket brands uh, of the many that uh, the freedom group owns so yeah i think this will be interesting to see um it has some great possibilities for cool guy stuff uh you know a longer fixed barrel with a suppressor you don't have to worry about you know uh you know uh lids or uh, uh nielsen devices i think mm-hmm. they're called yeah um you know cool guy stuff like that uh it's single stack i it reminds me a lot in you know, um, execution, not design or style or anything like that, but it reminds me a lot of where the solo, the Kimber solo would sit in far that hierarchy. It does have a lot of Kim, Kimber yeah. solo characteristics. It kinda, it's Kimber it. solo Pretty much that rounded, yeah. that, that's that butt, yeah. the, the butt yeah. of the slide is It what looks like it's there. made for concealed yeah. carry. Uh, it's thin. It's a, it's a full metal uh, gun, which uh, appeals to a lot of people who don't mind the weight of a concealed carry gun, they're just because it helps the shootability of, of course, on a recoil. Um, Which we did do a review of the Kimber. It's actually one of the yes. earlier articles on our blog at the Gun Show Podcast. Yes, and uh, we we don't recommend it. <laughs> we we would we would uh, recommend it after it's been sent back a few times. <laughs> after you get it working right, it works great. So uh, after you get it working right, it works eighty percent of the time. <laughs> so it works every time. Every time. So uh, so that's one of the more interesting things I saw from shot, uh, or pre-shot, I should say. Uh, another one I saw was uh, evidently the Gilboa rifle is coming to us from Israel. And now, the Gilboa rifle, um, it screams tactical. One of the first things I ever saw from them was that thing they call a double-barrel AR-15. Did everybody see that? Had the twin barrel AR upper on a, almost. No, a, I only remember the twin barrel 1911. No, this was that the was twin barrel AR-15. Yeah, and it, it basically looks like uh, the CAA people outfitted this gun uh, with everything in their catalog. It, so it's a, it, it's very tacticalish, but. And it's just another AR-15, their standard, you know, single barrel version. It's just oh, another. this is okay. I'm sorry. I, so this is just another AR-15. You right? say Gilboa, and my mind shuts down immediately because <laughs> I see two barrels glaring at me. Exactly. <laughs> like, but we're not talking about the two barrel gun. We're talking about the regular AR, which is no big news. Everybody and their mother makes an AR these days. Yes. But if you go to their website and see what they're talking about, they have a version in 7.62 by 39 that takes AK mags. And why is this different? Because Rock River two years ago said they say. had one, and they haven't seen one for sale yet. But we saw pictures, didn't we? I took. I was holding. And there's a picture of it in my hand. I was mm-hmm. holding this 
gun, the gun in my hand, took a picture of it, was like, I can't wait till this comes out. Evidently, I can because it's still not out. You know, Beretta, <laughs> their new rifle, they have an AK variant. Yeah, the, oh, the, uh, one, the new assault rifle, the yes. AR-180 or 180, 160. 160, I think it is. AR-160. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually their service. It's not, I mean, it's not quote-unquote new. That is their service rifle. Yeah, we haven't seen it here yet because it's not importable under right. current laws. Uh, the 20, I think it's the 22 contract made or whatever they are. Yeah. The Umarex probably. Yeah, so. they, they, I think it's okay. a Umarex 22. Do, yeah, they do have a 22 version here on our shores, and I'm told they will start building the Beretta uh you know, real version, 5.56 version here on our shores real soon. Okay. Um, but, of course, we're waiting on that just like everything else. Um, so that's one of the cooler things I saw was a, a real, you know, AK variant of the AR-15 that works. Um, I've seen a lot of that um, on the uh, on the Facebook pages I'm on. Some of the, uh, I want to say, um, I, I don't want to say less refined. I want to say newer shooters want a 762 by 39 version of their AR-15 because if you look at ammo prices why wouldn't you if you could shoot cheap 7.62 by 39 through your AR it's the best of all worlds you get your AR-15 ergonomics and you got 7.62 by 39 ballistics and the cheapness of that cheap cheap you know ammo we import from Russia and the other places which is slowed down but it's it's lower powered, but you know it still goes bang, and you no, can still no, 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 the importation is the importation because they have switched. They have switched their service round. They are not shooting seven six two three nine as their primary service round yeah, anymore. It's fine, it's, and it's now it's the Russians. So there's nine right. nine different ammunitions, of coupled with thirty six different camouflages exactly. for you know uh, forty eight different actual military branches. What uh, what I don't understand is. <clears throat> I'm sure the Russian military buys a, a, a goodly amount of ammo. Mm-hmm. I am almost as certain that the American public buys ten times that in a given year. And so I can't see why a Russian company like uh, the Kalishnikov um, brand, which was the old Izchek, I guess. Izmash. Izmash. It's one of those Izhs. Something. So... <laughs> I can't see why <laughs> they wouldn't focus on the American market. Now, Tulamo, uh, who is an import out of Round Rock, of course, is importing every round that the Tula uh, uh, plant will make. Uh, but you don't see you know, the other brands pushing it that hard. I think that the – I would think the the amount of money available for profit from these companies would be immense – now I might be going in a different direction with this, but um, I looked at it myself for for that reason. Both five four five and seven six two both are insanely cheap um, in bulk, and I talked to a uh, couple of people who were real close in with the Knights SR forty seven project. Are you yes, with that. Yes, which is, I think is is a direct um, predecessor to this Gilboa rifle I've been talking about. It's sure, an AK magazine compatible sure. AR basically. Yeah, that's what um, we're talking about. There were limited numbers made for very specific people who needed a f- rifle they could take into a cave and do battlefield pickups off of stuff they were finding in a cave. There's um, only like two of those guys, right? And they're both dead. <laughs> yeah, they, and they say they I mean they they say there was right. like five, ten rifles. There was definitely more. They were yeah. fielded. Uh, this they, is... they, they, I mean, this is this is getting somewhere else. But yes. the thing is, uh, what I was told. Is that the problem with it? And this is actually this stemmed from a conversation about the Sig 556R. Oh, okay. Um, is because 
the gun is too dirty. Uh, and they said, and it was designed to be run suppressed. That's the problem you run into with 76239. Oh. It's very dirty. It is a very dirty, inherently sure. dirty ammunition. Filthy. It was designed to run on a piston gun, i.e., an Which AK. makes sense with the lots of tolerances. Right. Um, the problem is when you put it suppressed, they said they got to about 90 rounds, and they said that fine dust just just choked up a DI gun. Interesting. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So that's actually why it probably took so long for something like a 5.56R and things like that to come around. Yeah, maybe that's why we haven't seen anything from Rock River. Maybe they haven't got it to run on the cheap Well, you saw that Colt um, that I guess they leaked the picture yep. of accidentally. We, we of, saw a teaser of the Colt 901. Of the GOV shooting it, yeah. I guess, when he was up there. Holding a... Uh, of our uh, of our great governor uh, holding the uh, the Colt 901 with a, what was obviously an AK-47 magazine sticking out of it and right. shooting it. Right. So it's obviously there's an AK-47 version of the Colt 901 uh, system. So let's talk about the New York Safe Act here. That's the new uh, the new from from a legal perspective of uh, it looks like the Supreme Court um, upheld the Safe Act as a whole. Um, but portions of it were redacted, struck down, whatever you want to call. Yeah, the the New York Times is reporting that the oh, it was a it was a federal court. It was one of the court of appeals, yeah. right? Yeah, it so went to appeals. One of yeah. the lower federal courts has said that the New York Safe Act, the portion of the bill that outlaws assault weapons or that makes you register them, is constitutional. The arbitrary limiting of high-capacity magazines is constitutional, but the arbitrary number of seven rounds is not. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, doesn't I, make any sense to me. So so what, what he has said, basically, this judge has said, for the public good, it's okay to infringe on your Second Amendment rights as far as assault rifles and high-capacity magazines are concerned. However, you can't just infringe on your Second Amendment rights for seven rounds. Mm-hmm. It has to be some other number, which we don't know what it is. Of course, he won't tell you. He'll just say, you can't say seven rounds arbitrarily. And so uh, this, will, of course, will be appealed um, by both sides, probably. Uh, the New York, the people representing the state of New York will probably re- appeal it uh, on the fact that it won't let them, you know, have the seven-round mag law. And, uh, of course, the gun owner uh, advocacy groups will appeal it uh, on the fact that it still makes assault weapons illegal, which it, it, I didn't understand his ruling. Um, did anybody read it? I, read, I didn't read anything I read, direct. I, was I read just reading. portions of it. Um, what he said was, the second, they're in common use, right? Which, which is the whole point of Heller. We thought the Supreme Court said in uh, in the Heller decision that if it was in common use, it couldn't be outlawed. So they said basically handguns couldn't be outlawed. Uh, they've said okay. that you have the right to bear arms, so that means you have the right to carry a gun outside your home. Mm-hmm. There has to be something in place. Uh, that's why Illinois now has a some sort of concealed carry law, right? Okay, so we've seen that. We've seen the common use argument um, or the common use. Uh, um, um. Well, I think uh, now correct me if I'm wrong and maybe maybe I interpreted this the wrong way, but it kind of sounded like they were almost citing. I, I don't think the word there is case law. However, it was just that someone actually was like, do you know how hard it is to enforce that when there's already this many magazines here? It's it's a, the Ooh, arbitrary numbering yeah. is like you've had to reroute all these things that are already in place and it almost would make it unenforceable it's just it was almost like this is stupid we can't do this 
Yeah. So just strike that part down because we see like I can, act from a tactical perspective yeah. how how tedious that's you, going yeah, to be. Yeah, you can't tell somebody seven rounds is is uh, legal, eight rounds is illegal. We know we said you could have that magazine that holds ten, but you can't put ten in it. Right. Maybe that's why. Just from a pure lo- purely logical of how are we going right. to enforce something. What I and that may be what they're getting at as far as the pragmatism of it. The the court has been known to not rule on. You know, actual point of law, but to rule on the pragmatism of enforcing the law. Right. And we've seen that time and time again. What I don't understand is how they can argue that, you know, the, the scrutiny is that public safety is better served with an assault weapons ban than, and, and that outweighs your right to an assault weapon, right? Quote unquote assault. I'm using the, the you know the gun grabbers term assault weapon. Of course, right. nobody in New York actually owns an assault weapon unless they work for the federal or state government. Right? We know that. Okay. So, but so they said that, and this is the same thing with you know quote unquote high capacity magazines, what we call standard capacity magazines, that that the public safety good outweighs your right to have those under the Second Amendment. What I don't understand is. There's no data to back that up, right? There's no data that says there's data X quite amount to the contrary. of yeah, it, well, exactly. In our minds, it's the exact opposite. You know, assault weapons, quote unquote, are used in you know two percent of the crimes or three percent of the crimes. Uh, yeah. Something, something it's ridiculous, right? It's around one percent. So it's almost as if this judge says, "Well, yeah, we can't take your guns because the Supreme Court said we can, but we're going to take as much as we can." No, that's exactly. I mean, that's what they've been trying. That's to do what we see, right? And that's it, not hidden. That's not veiled. There's nothing. They've literally verbatim said it. Bar, you know, Senator Feinstein and Senator uh, uh, Boxer. And yeah. They, they've literally Listen, verbatim said these. Things. I don't know if it's you guys or if I'm just noticing this now. In you know, as I get older, but it seems to me that the left, uh, for lack of a better term, or the gun grabbers, uh, you know, they they constantly. They tell you whatever they need to say. And I'm not saying the right doesn't do this, but the left will tell you whatever it is they need to say to get, you know, just a little bit more, a little bit more, whatever compromise you're working on, whatever thing you don't agree with. They'll they'll tell you whatever you need to say to get that little bit more. And once they've got that little bit more, they'll just take the next step. No, yeah, it's it's a very it's been it's like a tactic. This it's, it's almost not an escalator, but stairs. I mean, it's basically a set of stairs. They're, they're stair stepping their way. Yeah, into it's the a slippery slope. Right, is what we're talking about, right? But it, for some reason, I don't know. It just seems much, much more prevalent in society, and maybe that's because we're in the information age, and we all have the internets now, and we all have Google at our fingertips. You know, we all carry around. You know, computers in our pocket that are more powerful than, like I said, the one that sent the first space shuttle up. Right. Um, well, the one thing I'd like to point out, and maybe, and maybe you've noticed this, um, is that I think it, it's, it's almost uh, a matter of grasping at strings. They're becoming, you're noticing it a lot more. Um, you know, the media, help, the media hype doesn't help this. Where every, every time someone pops off in a, in a crowded place, now it's a, it's a, a potential active shooter situation. Where a lot of it is not. It's just a joke. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's I, an isolated shooting yeah. that happens to go on in a in a populated area, which from a from a tactical perspective and from my side of the house is not an active shooter. If you walk in and shoot someone pointedly, it's you know you're looking for this person, you shoot them, and that's it. And then and you it walk just home. Happen to be in a mall, that's yeah, not an that's active not an shooter. Action. No, I see what you mean. Um, but what I'm saying is, and like I said, from as we're three guys that work in the firearms retail industry. People are buying guns. At a, I mean, at, at what for me is that's the part I don't understand. Rate. And I think that yeah. 
the left and I you know I don't want to alienate people I know people on the right and there's there's so many wormholes we can go down there but um, the the powers that be that are trying to to restrict it and continually restrict it seem to be coming a lot more open adamant and they're doing it rapidly um, with very little forethought and they're just shotgunning ideas out there and yeah. trying to get whatever they can banned because yeah. they are knowing it, given that we are in the, the age of information and rapid information people are buying guns and people are waking up people that uh, you know would never normally have been w- involved in AR-15s semi-automatic you know sure. high capacity Black assaulty rifles. things yeah. are calling I mean, every you know we talk to them Scott every day and it's yeah. not us it's not gun people well, it's just people and they that say almost one in four rifles sold today and it's just a little bit less than that, or AR-15s. That means for every five rifles that go out of the store, there's an AR-15, mm-hmm. and that's unprecedented. We've never seen you know, firearm sales like this where one of the guns is basically a semi-automatic version of the, the standard-issue military sidearm for the last 50-plus years, right? Well, the other thing we're comparing this to is – at least in an international sense, and a lot of it, you know, uh, obviously comparisons to Europe and other first world sure. countries, progressive right. nations. In well, Europe, no you, other nation is like this. You can't own a quote unquote military grade rifle, which right. is why you have all these weird anemic calibers that are yeah, one I millimeter that, off is because it cannot right, be. Right. Yep. You know where I'm going with this. Anyway, it, it's it's I I really think that it's it's almost a good thing. It's it almost pleases me to see it happening because. Yeah. As much as they are trying, things are still being struck down. You know, Chicago is a perfect example of that. I've always said since we started this podcast that we're winning. And we will the continue numbers, to win. The numbers don't lie. Well, it's it's because, literally impossible. You can't argue that. And I don't do math, so And I think it's because neither does Scott. What? Argue with what? No, he doesn't do math. I took algebra no, two three times, no. so unless you plan on topping that. No, I don't do math. Yeah. It's so when Scott numbers. talks about numbers, don't believe don't. him. Yeah, use your... I'm very open-ended. Remember use that, that numbers. Don't use that believe number adder app on your phone you mean to the check abac- me. An abacus? <laughs> is that what it's called? I don't think that's what it's called. But no, the, and I think what we've seen here is... And I think we mentioned this in the podcast before, but we're in the information age, right? You uh, can, we just mentioned that f- like 10 minutes ago. You can go twice. to the computer... <laughs> And look up anything. So when yes. somebody tells you, you know, assault weapons killed X amount of people, you can go to the computer and check that. When somebody tells you uh, guns kill X amount of children per year, you can go and check that. When someone tells you, uh, you know, 90% of America wants universal background checks on firearm sales, you can go to the computer and, and check that. And so I think. In 1994, when I was much younger and I was just starting out as a firearms owner. I was too busy being five. I want to highlight that, Scott. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate I was, that. I was like nine. So I would like to thank you for you know, hosting one show for us, Ethan. <laughs> no, the uh, – the, He found his place. <laughs> See that little notch in the wood? He's made himself at home. Yes. In 1994 – there was no internet to speak of. There was no, you know, there was, there was no smartphones. There was no blogging. There was no, you know, you had the media, you know, the NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox. That's all you had. Um, maybe you had cable. Maybe you had CNN. I don't know if Headline News was around then. Yeah, I guess there were. But I, I don't think you had to be watching news. There was no Fox News. There was a, so in other words. There was an assault weapons ban passed in Congress in 1994. That's my point. Based on the pure ignorance of the masses. Based on 
what you saw on your TV at primetime after dinner, right? And you want to know what those two things were? It was two defining events, Ruby Ridge and Waco. I think that it was... came on the heels of the two yeah, sure. watershed you know, ATF blunders of... The ATF. And yeah, those right. of us who got... And I remember coming home from elementary school and seeing the uh, Branch Davidian compound on fire. You guys are that, and then a year, what, a year or two later, you had Columbine. So... Yes, yes. So you had you had these events that were on the TV, and that's all the news you got. You didn't get the NRA publications. You didn't get the Google News. You, that's, you got one view, and that was the view of the national news networks. Right. And that's what Mr. and Mrs. America got, and that's how... They were able to pass this assault weapons ban, which gl- happily died. I'm so happy that it. So it I think that they're just trying to put such big numbers. But they can't out do it now. They, well, right, but they put those big numbers out there. They talk to big talks. They get enough people to not do the lo- the research on their own. But. And no, they buy into it. low information voters are still going to be on their side because let's face it. That's what I'm saying. That's who votes for them. That's what they're looking for. They're right. there. They want to be the information. I don't, they don't think there's want enough. You to go look up the information. I don't think there's enough low information voters to for them to keep their jobs. Look at Colorado. Look at they passed the 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 magazine capacity slash assault weapons ban in Colorado, and two of them got recalled, and a third resigned before she got recalled. Right. So. I think a they few upset people. I mean, that's living testament. That's literally living testament what? to the fact that when people wake up, that's what? that's what we're capable. Of. The process works. What I don't understand is the same thing happened in the United States Congress in 1996, two years after the assault was passed. The NRA basically threw everything they had at voting every bum out who voted for the assault weapons ban, and it worked. That was the first time Republicans were getting control of Congress in you know forever. So. I don't understand why the politicians would touch this. Now, you notice Obama hasn't touched this. He has gone up, gone up there. He uh, tried. After Sandy Hook, he put – let's face it. He hasn't done anything. He put Joe Biden in charge. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because that's, he's taking his – It technically gives him the ethical high road in this. That's like putting me in charge of math, right? Right. It'd be, it, it does nothing. Nothing. And everybody knows that. It's ineffective. It, it, it didn't accomplish anything. Scott, he, that's why you're just a host and you do some <laughs> Facebook posts. I'm supposed to be doing a Facebook post? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Oh, no. Oh, so anyways. Uh, the, if you uh, don't want to see Scott's Facebook post, <laughs> head to Facebook.com slash podcast. But like I said, we're winning. I think we're going to continue to win because, one, you can't take the, a person to the uh, anti-gun range and have them shoot some anti-guns and have fun. There's there's never been everybody I ever never. see on Facebook, yep. every picture, they're always smiling after they're done. Or anyone you take. They were yeah. still scared. I mean, like, people that are genuinely scared, they're like, that thing scared, you know, scared the crap out of me. But it was fun. It was me. exciting. But, and there's always yeah. the caveat. Yeah. They're like, I'm scared, but I'll still go do it again or whatever. You know, I, never, never, ever, ever they once. They say maybe met, next time right. I'll shoot a 22. Yeah, met or seen someone that did not enjoy it. It's not... So I think we're winning and we're going to continue to win. Another thing, another reason I think we're going to continue to win is every time I see the left, you know, usually they're shouting at us, right? They're they're saying guns are bad. Okay, um, why do you need to have an assault weapon? You know, fill the blank, right? Guns kill children. All you want to do is kill children because you own guns. You know, something ridiculous. But it, but the ones who pretend that they want to have a conversation, I don't know if you've ever run into this, but they want to have the reason discourse. 
hey, let's t- let's sit down and talk about it. Let's talk okay, about, let's talk about guns. why you want guns and, okay. and what you think. And then when you say – I like guns. I like guns because I can and I have an amendment in the Constitution. I have a right to like guns. Right after the one that says you're allowed to talk right. is the one that says I'm allowed to own a gun. The, the one that tells you you're allowed to tell me that you don't want yes. me to? Yes. And then they shout at you and they scream at you, but guns are bad, okay. It, it's not like it, – there's never any reason discourse. There's never any – we talk about compromise. They they always want to talk. They always use the compromise word. Let's let's compromise on uh, what is it? Gun safety laws is the new buzz terms, right? It used to be gun control, but now it's gun safety laws. So let's compromise on gun safety laws. But when you say, all right, let's go to universal background checks, but you have to take silencers off the NFA registry, make them a, a gun or a, just a, a nothing, a gun part. Right. Nobody wants to talk about that. They, they don't want to, they will they wouldn't even entertain it right there's a lot of countries that actually suggest that you put a silencer on your gun there are some countries where it's mandatory it's in certain all areas of Europe yeah they yeah. want you to they they're in like New please Zealand, don't disturb your neighbors in New Zealand you can walk into your hardware store buy a 22 suppressor we have a, a listener from there blister pack for less than twenty dollars American. and people don't realize that's what it used to be that's what it should be in, right. in 1933 right. that's how much you could walk into a hardware store and buy a suppressor yep. because it was just a tool yep so so when you talk about that you say hey let's compromise let's go for tell you what you can have an assault weapons ban if i can have the 1986 um, um closing of the machine gun registry reopened so we can all register new machine guns on form ones Okay, and let me rock the boat a little bit with sure. what I know about why the what is it AL, what's the heck the, something AT, ATP forty one or whatever it is the new they're trying to close the loophole for NFA oh, trust. Oh yeah, yeah, the NFA trust deal, which real, is very complicated. Here's the <laughs> yeah. real answer. Um, it's actually a bunch of class three guys. I heard that pushing to get it closed. Yeah. I heard a rumor about that. Um, they're wanting to close it so that they can sell more. It's the old yeah. world. It's the old it world the guys that own the machine guns. It's the machine gun owners, the actual guys yes. that own all the pre pre sample transferable. So it's gun guys guns. wanting to take away that because just think Rich about guys. what that's going to do to their resale value of their transferable. Oh, guns. it'll push it through the roof. It'll well, it's going to go Further, up anyways. That's what I understand. It's always it going up. up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see. It could be true. That could be true. It doesn't matter. What matters is it's a regulatory agency. They work for the people. The people should decide, not this small group, this lobbyist group that you're talking about. Right. Not the NRA, not the uh, CSV, not the Brady Bunch. The people should decide. And the people are ill-informed because everybody thinks, you know, machine guns are all well, – everybody gets their information from well, the I'll television, tell you what, right? Um, Low-information voters. They, it would appear, though, that at least the media for now – Enough enough people came out when they started saying, well, this fully automatic, that, and when it yes. was flagrant, when it was patently not a fully automatic weapon, it does appear that at least someone, some producer somewhere has listened and they have done their homework and they will make a point to say that it is the, quote, semi-automatic variant of sure. the M16. So to that end, it looks but, like but, someone woke up. But someone. to a low-information voter, they don't know what still, that means. And then, you know, still, yeah. that's still, it's just that's a salty and murdery and killy and <laughs> exactly. black, and that's all it is. It's evil. I saw it on the evil TV show where Bingo. the guy shot the other guy. And that's, you know, that's where I get my gun information, so that's where I get my voter information. Well, the other, you know, I'll come for, at this from the other from the other side sure. of the coin um, of why I think it's on the rise is not necessarily... 
that it's the conservatives. Um, and you know, this is why kind of I avoid calling it the left, or yeah. because there are people on it's both sides. It's more gun of that. grabbers. It's more progressive right. gun grabbery. It's not a political. Types. It really is not a political no. vehicle anymore. What it is, and you know, you even see that. You know, I, ha- I call it hipsters or the you know the libertarian movement sure. and all this. This is very individualist. Um, non-collective movement of you are your own person. And a lot of people on both sides of this realize that the only way to really solidify that and secure it is tangible protection in the form of a firearm. I've also seen Be you a conservative or a liberal. Yes. I've also seen it on on similar crowds um, in the the back to nature types, right? Yes. The ultimate back to nature is not getting your meat from a supermarket, not getting a meat from a goat you raised on corn. The ultimate back to nature is to go out and shoot it. You know, something that lives in the wild, shoot it, you know, kill it and grill it, right? That's the ultimate back to nature. And what these people are figuring out when they start getting into that, they say, I want to, I want to shoot my own deer and eat my own meat because that's, to me, that's more, uh, you know, for whatever primal. ideals. Yeah, more primal, primal or more, or more, uh, moral. Very, paleo, that, very paleo of y'all. Yes. Or, or it could be in the, on the moral side of it. If you, if you, if you know any, uh, vegans or vegetarian types who are that because it's of a, moral issues. You're not dealing with a slaughterhouse. You're yes, not dealing with the, the conglomerate, sh- the yes. corporate entity, you know, the corporate. You know, you're shooting uh, the varmint we call deer right. and you're eating it, which is good for everybody, it turns out. Um, so. These people who are now just now getting into guns because they're not the types that normally get into guns are figuring out that the gun laws are ridiculous and onerous and nobody nobody wants to deal with such nonsense as some of our silly gun laws. Well, let's let's do a change of pace. Okay. Got a question from Jason. He said he's uh, been reading up on the Beretta Nano 9mm. They talk about a 9x19 version and they also talk about a 9x21 version. Uh, what are they talking about, and what are the difference between these two versions? All right. Um, first of all, mad cushy props and a virtual high five. All right, we can't forget that. Um, second of all, the nine by nineteen is the standard nine millimeter. What we call nine millimeter. I think the technical term for it is nine millimeter parabellum. Yes. And uh, we call nine millimeter Luger, nine by nineteen, nine millimeter NATO. NATO. Sure. The 9 by 21 is going to be a, uh, I want to say that's the Russia. European. I thought it was Russian. No, I want to say 9 by 21 was a European cartridge. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Ethan, that in some places in Europe you can't own a military caliber sidearm. So with the 9 by 21, you get a, uh, it's almost a 9 millimeter but it is a not a military issue sidearm. Yeah, but it's the, the equivalent. Yeah, it's the same thing. But by the numbers, yeah. as the numbers sit, it exactly. is not the same. Thus, um, they're compliant. so they might. I can't see the Beretta nine nano in a nine by twenty. You know what? They make a lot that of might Berettas. Not be an American. That might not be American. That yeah. may just be. You definitely can't get it here. I haven't seen it. Much uh, you, like your Glock. Yeah. What your twenty five? I guess. Yeah, there's the, three, like a, the original three twenty five. There's something else. Anyways, there's several guns that we can't get here simply because they wouldn't bother to sell um uh we do see things like 38 super here uh 38 super is huge in south america mexico uh, central america areas because it is a non-military caliber mm-hmm. and 38 i mean 38 super is not not american and people you know it's funny especially when you get into the 1911 debate of well it's only 45 actually a lot of old 1911s were chambered. A lot 38 of the, yes. Super came from the Prohibition era of needing high-velocity rounds yes. to punch through car doors for 
gangbusters. And it's become very popular, like I said, in South America because it's not a military arm. Another thing yep. that people probably don't know is uh, the Ruger Mini-14 was very, very popular in 222 caliber. Not 223. Right. 222 because, like I said, in South America, you couldn't own the 223 because the military firearms are outlawed, but you can own a 222, which is ballistically the same cartridge. Um, so that's the difference there. Uh, what you're seeing is probably a European edition of the Breda Nano in a, in a 9x21. Um, and uh, thank you once again. If anybody has any other questions, uh, jump on our Facebook, uh, You know, send us an email. Jump on our website. Uh, we're always open to uh, listener questions. 